everybody for tuning into the short thing. It is May 3rd. Warren and Ryan here with you again. We will be talking about the NFL draft today. We'll talk about the NBA as have to do something that I'm not looking forward to doing, but I have to have to call a spade a spade. So we'll get to that later and maybe a little baseball talk uh, towards the end. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio uh, app under the podcast section as well. We'll be back on Thursday. Ryan, how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, baseball free weekend this weekend. So got to just kind of hang out, kick it, uh, hang, you know, kick around with the family, things like that. Uh, dealing with a tough sunburn right now. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, not tough as far as pain, but, uh, played some flag football yesterday for about three or four hours. Had the snap back on, didn't put sunscreen on the face. So I have these snapback sunburn where the strap, you know, kind of goes across your forehead. There's the little window. So the little window of my forehead that's burned was wearing some sunglasses. So got the outline of that sunburned. And then uh, so, yeah, we're we're rocking a tough look right now. But, you know, all we're going to do is persevere and overcome it. If you could, uh, I guess the only solution was either putting sunscreen on or wearing the burglar mask. That was the only, yeah, that would have been the only option. And and there, it's funny you say that. There was a guy out there wearing something similar, uh, you know, to to kind of combat, you know, to, to like to to cover his face as far as the the coronavirus thing goes. But it was like it was almost like a ski mask where just his eyes were showing, but it was the full, the full eye opening. If that makes sense, like it wasn't the just full gator sick. with the eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So interested to see how he looks this morning, or yeah, looks today. <laughs> Uh, because that was, like I said, I know, I know what I look like. And if he is dealing with anything similar, he's going with the tough look as well. Uh, well, good thing you don't have to go anywhere. Exactly. And anywhere that I do go, I got to wear, I wear a hat anyway. So, you know, it's, uh, it covers it up pretty good, but, uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's yesterday and today are the first, uh, sun sleeve days of the year. I yeah. have to declare sun, not, I'm not declaring sun sleeve season is back because if you look at the rest of the, uh, the weather this week it goes after today it goes in the 70s i'm pretty sure right yeah yep um and for, for the rest of the okay so then the weekend gets to the 80s but uh we are on the verge of a uh, sun sleeve season being back yeah full full-fledged uh i don't know if you're if i told you i i ended up getting some sun sleeves as well last you did, summer you did not like them did not like them but i kind of came around on them a little bit um towards the end and I actually wore them in the fall which was a nice little uh switch up but uh, they work just as well but so I, i've come around on them all right that's good i gotta find mine for today so could be an that could be an issue where where are my two pairs at in the trunk in my room who knows i wait to find out where they are not in the golf bag no they're not in the bag i have this little like container in my trunk that has my caddy bibs, shoes, a ton of golf balls in there. Um, so a couple could be in there, but then a couple I washed. I didn't think they were hanging around. We'll have to see. I'll pr <laughs> probably just order another pair on Amazon, two pairs on Amazon anyways. Um, so so that's probably what will uh, what will happen with, uh, with that. But all right, let's get into the draft. The draft was this weekend. And starting off on Thursday was the first round. Uh, we'll talk about the Cowboys here and then the NFC East and the NFL uh, from a broader picture overall. So I don't hate what the – I shouldn't say this. I like what the Cowboys did trading back. I always thought trading down was a play they could do. They also – you could say they got unlucky because the two guys – they whatever, they could say what they want about Micah Parsons. We were always going to take him. No, you weren't. You're going to take one of the two cornerbacks. They happen to go eight and nine. Kind of surprised the Broncos took another corner considering all the secondary uh, additions they had, especially a cornerback in the offseason. But, hey, they did what they did. So they traded down, grab an extra third-round pick. I see people are mad they traded with the Eagles. But you took another pick off the Eagles. I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get why people are you, – if you could get it, if you could do a good deal, you get an extra third-round pick. So then you had uh, four picks um, on on Friday in the second and third rounds. Like I think that's a that was a smart 
that was a smart move they could do. I don't get why people are madder than it's just the Eagles. We can't trade with them. Yeah, I think that's the only issue is that just that it was the Eagles. And plus, two, you position yourself, you're able to pick up the extra pick, and you position yourself to get a guy that you still wanted that was still on your board. So, you you know, best of both worlds, either you stay at 10 and get Micah Parsons, or you drop back to 12, get an extra pick, and get Micah Parsons. Meanwhile, if you drop back to 14, 15, 16, somewhere farther back, even maybe in the 20s, there's 0% chance you're getting him. So why not, you know, like I said, pick up the extra deal? Who cares if it was with the Eagles? The Eagles ended up making a deal with Washington on the third day, too. So it's not that big of a deal. I don't think executives see it that way. Um, you know, it's it's all it's all you're you're throwing darts that that late in the draft anyway. With Micah Parsons, could be a little bit different. The Eagles they had to get ahead of the Giants to take Devonte Smith. By all accounts, it sounded like the Giants were positioning themselves or or ready to take Devonte uh, after the um, after the Cowboys pick. So you know, the both teams did what they had to do, and like you said, the the Cowboys were able to get the extra pick. You cut out there, Ryan. Um, no, can you still hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I got you now, but you cut out there for a second. No, no, I was just just kind of wrapping up, saying you know yeah. the Eagles had to make their make their move to get the guy they wanted that they needed to get, and uh, you're able to pick up uh, an extra guy and you know to uh, to add to this roster that is cap strapped right now. You get, you have to build through the draft right now if you're the Cowboys. So the fact that it was the the Eagles, people just need to get over that. Just that's just stupid. That's I think that's just the casual fan getting angry. If 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 you actually understand football and actually understand how things work, you think it's a great trade. I will say though, they are like Michael Parsons. It's been reported the Cowboys had him as the fourth best player on their board, so that is a good thing. But linebacker is not a premier position in the NFL anymore, and they are now. In the hamster, they are now just literally in a hamster wheel when it comes to linebackers. Today's the deadline to pick up an option, the fifth year option on Leighton Vander Esch. Reports are they aren't going to pick it up. So that's a first round linebacker you took in 2018, and you're not, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Your fourth, you're in that same draft, I think they took Jalen Smith with the 35th pick, 36th pick. High high draft capital pick as a linebacker, and we all know what Jalen Smith is. He's very inconsistent right now. And now you're spending another top pick on a linebacker and Micah Parsons, who could be a very good football player. They're talking about him rushing the passer, which if you go back and look at some of his numbers from 2018-2019 at Penn State, he rushed the passer maybe like 5% of the snaps he plays, so does that's not really in his game. Maybe he could add that. But you're just in this hamster wheel of, of just stuck in the same mode. Like, I think I would have been... I think I would have been pleased if they would have just taken Slater, Rashawn Slater, the tackle. Just like, hey, you know what? Offensive tackle is a premier position. Tyron's been hurt a lot. You could, all accounts are he could play guard. You can start him at guard this year and then move him out to tackle when Tyron retires or if Lyle gets hurt or when Tyron gets hurt in the middle of the, in, in the middle of the season. So just trying to get a premier player at a position of that's a premier position, I think I would have been more comfortable with that, but just they're stuck in this hamster wheel of let's use high picks on linebackers when it's not a it's not a premier position in the NFL. And I think Parsons is a, could be a good player. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree in a sense. I mean, when <clears throat> I, obviously I don't think that was going to be their selection the whole time. Uh, I think they were obviously going to try to get uh Sertan or JC Horn, whoever uh, was there. But I mean, if you can add arguably the best player, the best defensive player in the draft to a, bad defense i mean you got to look at that as a win right i know secondary is where they're really lacking and that's where they you know really needed to make the improvements and they did that later in the draft i mean they went what five or six straight picks addressing the defensive side of the ball which again they had to just the first six picks were defensive picks Right, yeah, that's what I yeah. said. Yeah, they fi- yeah, f- uh, their first six picks were all were all a uh, defensive side of the ball. So again, they 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 did address the right needs. Now you can argue, did they address them in the correct order? I mean, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but with Micah Parsons, they add Jabril Cox to that uh, linebacking core uh, in the third round. It's uh, you know, it's it's looking like. 
I know what you're saying about it's not being a premier premier uh, uh, position in football, but having a good linebacker core can do wonders for your defense. I mean, look at I know it's it's tough it's a tough comparison because they won the Super Bowl, but Tampa Bay's defensive or excuse me linebacker core was great for them. Uh, we saw the difference when Devin White was in the lineup and when he wasn't. So you know, although it might not be a premier position. It's a position that if it's good, it can be really, really good and really, really effective for your for your defense. And it could help in coverage a little bit. It could take a little bit of of uh, pressure off that secondary so they don't have to make as many big plays or have to make as many stops. You don't have to rely so much on that uh, secondary. Obviously, you're hoping the defensive line does their job and they can get to the quarterback or, or stuff the run or, or things of that nature. But, um, you know, uh, if, if we had to put a grade on this, and I know everyone hates draft grades, that's now the cool thing is, oh, I don't like putting out draft grades until I see the player play. Shut up. You're not cool. You're not a hipster. Like, that's not a unique idea. But if I had to put a grade on this Micah Parsons pick with that everything included, trading back and getting the extra pick in the third round, you got to give that an A. Yeah, look, just on the, the quality of player he is for sure. But I think when you're drafting that high and also – you're hoping that you, you add to a position that you hope is already a strength. What were we talking about going into last season? Like we thought, oh, if these guys play well, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith could be one of the best linebacking cores in the league. But they didn't play well. They did not. No, I'm saying they did not play well. So then you have to address that issue. And you did that with a first-round pick. Since 2009, there's been 27, this is including this year, first-round linebackers picked. And now some of these, it's been a lot of first-round linebackers picked. I'd say over half of them have been picked since 2018. So that's when we get the uh, the uh, options picked up. So Rashad Evans, he didn't get his option picked up in 2018. He's with the Titans. Van Der Esch isn't getting doing it. Rokal and Smith don't know if they picked theirs up. And Tremaine Edwards, they picked theirs up. But only three of those, three of the linebackers from 2009 to 2017 have even got a second uh, they have they've got a second contract from their original team. So that's part of it. Now there's been some unfortunate situation Ryan Shazier I would assume he would have got a second contract from the Steelers but he had that uh, injury that had him to retire from football. So there's been some issues like that, but first round linebackers haven't really been the most reliable when it comes in there and I know Devin White's been really good. There are the exceptions, but Again, I and they it sounds like it being hard on the pick, but it's just they had to adjust to how the draft went. And I almost would have preferred for them if they would have traded down and then, you know, they would have taken like Greg Newsome or one of the cornerbacks there at 20, say with the Bears, picked up a first round pick for next year, a couple other picks later in the round. Just, hey, you know what? Trade down again. We'll draft everything. We get one of the corners. And do that because I love the Jabril Cox pick. I think he's going to be a good player. But it just changed. Drafting Parsons changed how kind of the whole draft like laid out. And he's got some off-the-field concerns with Parsons. Again, the Cowboys really, for some reason, do not shy away guys with off-the-field issues. Kelvin Joseph, who... Was, who left LSU and was suspended at LSU. The reports are he smoked too much weed. So I got kicked off. You got to smoke a lot of weed if you get kicked off of LSU. But he says he went to Kentucky for more exposure. Riddle me how Kentucky gets more exposure than LSU. But again, you're drafting a guy too with some red flags out there. So it's just they got dealt a situation they probably weren't expecting even though they went through it. And then it, it I would have liked to – I really would have liked to have seen how the Cowboys draft would have shaped up, say they got Horn or Sertan at 10, and how, how it would have gone from there. No, I agree. And like you said, the, the first kind of statement you made there was, was I think, dead on, is they had to go with how the draft ended up falling to them, right? You have to, you have to be able to audible and, and stay flexible. I agree. I think if they could have traded back again and maybe picked up um, uh, uh, Caleb Farley, you know, even though he has the injury concerns – I think that would have been fine. And then you can, like you said, you can kind of see how, uh, how uh, it would shape up after that. Now, you know, everyone's talking about the secondary with the guys they drafted, Kelvin Joseph, uh, um, the uh, Nashawn Wright out of Oregon State uh, corner, and uh, I think they took one other corner, uh, uh, the kid out of South Carolina. Now they have like one of the tallest secondaries or the tallest secondary 
in uh, the NFL, which is kind of the way the secondary is shifting now. After Richard Sherman and a lot of these other big guys, you know, 6'1", 6'2", sometimes 6'3", corners, you don't see the 5'10", 5'11", corners that we used to, of the smaller guys. Now they're going to these big body corners. Uh, so, you know, at least you have some size. Hopefully you have a little bit of speed to go along with it. And like you said, they don't shy away from the off the field issues, which is funny because, you know, teams like the Patriots and Bill Belichick, they won't shy away from off the field issues, but usually they have a good way of fixing these guys. Whereas the Cowboys, they just take on the guys with the off field issues and just let them be and don't really like change them. You know, it's like, well, maybe he'll work out. Maybe he won't. Let's see what happens. Uh, so, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, everyone, everyone deserves another shot. Look at the honey badger. He he was dismissed from LSU for smoking a lot of weed as well. Uh, so and things worked out okay for him. Uh, not saying that Kelvin Joseph would be the same case, but you know you can't uh, you can't judge a book by its cover there. But look, uh, overall the the way they addressed the draft and going six straight defensive players, I think was was exactly what they needed to do. Um, and now it's just a matter of time to see if these players pan out. Especially like I said, Jabril Cox. I I love that pick. He was a guy that I wanted Washington to take a look at. Um, I knew after Jamin Davis went to the first pick who I mentioned on Thursday show that I would like for them to take, I wanted them to trade back for him, but uh, you know, they ended up taking him there at 19. Uh, Jabril Cox was a guy that I, that I would, would have loved for Washington to select. So when I saw that he went to the Cowboys, you know, that was a dagger right in the heart. I think he's going to be a great, great player for them. Well, there's definitely fingerprints of one man on the draft and that is Dan Quinn. Absolutely. Uh, like even picking Nishan Wright and Israel, Mukuamu, those guys are both 6'4". Like, I was mm-hmm. watching the draft on Friday, and when the Cowboys had the pick of Nishan Wright, first of all, had no idea who he was. A lot of people, if there was a reach, it was him, because people say, were saying, the experts were saying he was a seventh round to an undrafted free agent guy who was like the 40th ranked corner in the class. I heard mm-hmm. a lot of well, when he when it showed his height, and it said he was six foot four, I gasped like an audible gasp of like, "Whoa, six foot four! He's the tallest cornerback, I think, in NFL history." These two guys at six four, Dan Quinn, as you said, the Richard Sherman six two six three, the tall tall corners. That is what they wanted. Now you could question if Nishan Wright's the right player. They could have got him later. I one of the guys I mentioned who was sitting there, and he's six two. And three-eighths, I think they said. Ifiadu Melowandu from Syracuse, a little more polished. Like, that would have been another good guy uh, to take a corner. And then, hey, Nishan Wright. He's probably still going to be there when you draft on Saturday and late Saturday. But whatever, that's what they did uh, there. But this was total Dan Quinn getting size. But the one, the one hole that is out there is they didn't draft a safety. They are just allergic to drafting safeties. I don't know what it is. They just, they just, they do not like, like how everybody doesn't value running backs early on in the draft and how other people don't value linebackers per se. The Cowboys, for some reason, just do not value the safety position when it comes to the draft. That's a glaring need. I know they signed Keanu Neal, but they're saying like he could play linebacker. What are they going to play? Like five linebackers on the field? Like, they needed some safeties. I know they can sign some guys, some some vets out there too, but they just neglect the safety position. Yeah, maybe the thought process is maybe one of these tall fellas uh, that they did bring in, Sean Wright or uh, uh, Israel. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Mufa Muka Muka. I suck with these names. Mukuamu. Mukuamu, I think. Yeah, is Israel Mukuamu. These big tall guys, maybe they try to convert them to safety. Uh, you know, maybe that's one of the plans there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought that was a bit of a shocker as well that they didn't address the, the safety position, uh, especially in that second round. I believe uh, I'd have to go back and look, but I believe at least a couple of those uh, Teron Morwick might have been still still on the board. And uh, one other big time safety that was projected go top second round was still there. And they they just bypassed him and went with Kelvin Joseph instead. Well, uh, sorry, you said Morig was gone. The Raiders traded up right before him. That's right. To take like they jumped in front of Dallas because they thought Dallas was going to take him. Um, But yeah, they they passed up safety. They felt like they had to get a corner there, but it just. Uh, R- Richie Grant was on the board, I think, still. Yeah, from South Florida? Yeah, Central yeah. Florida. 
Central Florida. Yep. But, Andre but, uh, Cisco was still there. Uh, he didn't, you know, he, he goes first pick of the third round. Yeah. Uh, so obviously maybe you don't feel like you're getting value uh, for him. But, uh, you know, there, there was still, you know, oh no, Richie Grant went 40. Richie Grant did go 40. Uh, oh, okay. so he went, he went four spots available. So, you know, maybe safety at that spot, just, you know, they didn't see the value there. Like I said, Andre Cisco is probably the best guy. Uh, he goes, uh, pick 65. So you don't see any value there. Uh, and then there doesn't go another safety until the Raiders take yet another safety at pick 80. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's just a pattern of, oh no, no, in, I agree in drafts that we've seen. My one final thing I have on the Cowboys. Maybe is, they just can't scout safeties. Have we thought about that? Maybe like maybe they just don't feel good taking them because they can't scout them. Who knows? That that is true. That is true. Um. Uh, yeah, that is true. That could be, that's a good. Hey, if you don't feel comfortable <laughs> in them, don't draft them. Yeah. Um. One of the other things from the draft that I was surprised with. So the Cowboys made eleven picks. They don't need eleven rookies on the team. No. So why not package a couple of picks and move up to get a better player? Like you don't need the two picks in the two hundreds, even the one ninety two, two twenty seven, two thirty eight, or say, hey, even though they did have what they had five picks in the top hundred, let's package maybe ninety nine and eighty four and move up in the third round or 44 and 84 move up in the second round to get our guy instead of guys jump. Cause that beginning of the second round teams were trading to jump in front of teams left and right. Like there are a lot of trades being made to get, they want. So let's maybe be the aggressor instead of, Hey, let the draft come to us. Cause in the first round the letting the draft come to us didn't really work out. And are we going to let the draft come to us again? And Kelvin Joseph is the guy you're going to take. Okay, yeah, he could pan out. He's got a lot of potential. They say he's a boomer bust type of guy like Trayvon Diggs. But maybe use some of those picks to to get the guy you want because, again, as I say, 11 rookies are not going to make the team. And, yeah, some of them are going to be on the practice route. But this roster doesn't need 11 rookies. No, 1,000% not. You know, that's, excuse me, I know they're trying to, like I said, trying to build this defense, but you're going to have to do a mixture of the draft and free agency it's not going to be all from the draft uh because there's a good a good chance like you said 11 of these rookies how many are actually going to make the roster seven maybe you know uh, at the high side so uh you know it's it it would have it would have behooved them quite a bit to be able to package a couple of these picks move up go get the guy you want go get your guy but uh they just sat, sat idly by and and you know the i'm not going to blame them for the for the trevon morig because you're thinking um uh, San Francisco sitting there, you know, they're not going to take a safety and you're like, okay, here he is. And then all of a sudden the Raiders jump you, we you know, what are you going to do? It's, sure. it's just one of those tough things. So I won't blame them too much for that. Um, uh, the, the one thing though, in that Kelvin Joseph pick, you still had Asante Samuel Jr. sitting there too. And I think he might've been the better prospect coming out than Kelvin Joseph. Oh, again, only time will tell. But so even that pick was a little bit of a head scratcher. I think Kelvin Joseph might be a little taller than Asante Samuel Jr. I think Asante Samuel's 5'10". Um, yeah, and Kel, I think Joseph's six like 6'1". One. One. Yeah. yeah. So he's taller. So that's the 5'10 corner doesn't really play into the Dan Quinn playbook. Yeah. So that's probably why they uh, they passed on him. And then I still laugh every time when every team goes over, when they go to all the draft rooms, Every time they show the Cowboys, I just get the biggest laugh because it's Jerry, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jr., Stephen McCarthy, who just looks so out of place when he's wearing a suit. That's, yeah. has, that, that draft night has to be his least favorite. It's probably his favorite night, but least favorite night because he's got to wear that damn suit. Yeah. Like, God, he just looks so out of place in the suit. And then you just got Charlotte sitting there. You got the grandkids around. It's just like that does not. And that just doesn't look like a good work environment to run a football team. And then you got like the Bills with uh, with being their professional organization have done really well in the drafts. They look very ready to go. A nice draft room. The Colts with Chris Ballard, they're ready to go. It's just like it just it's not friends and family night. No, and for the Cowboys, friend, it's family night. It's family night. It's draft night. Hey, let's get the fam together at the star. We're sitting in the draft room. Like, God, it's just I was one of the guys I was uh, 
I was caddying, I caddied for all the time on a Friday. Was talk, he was like, oh, who the, because he went to bed early. He was like, who'd the Browns take? I go, this and that. And he was asking me who their GM is. I'm like, Andrew Barry. He's the youngest GM in the league. I think 32, 33. I was like, African-American guy. Um, and the Browns have a diverse front office. And I'm like, so it's good to see that. And then I'm like, and then you just see, you see like the Browns front office and all these other front offices. And then you go see like the Jones, the Cowboys. And it's just like the Jones family. And it's just like, God, that's just like, I would be so irritated if that was who was running my team. Just like looking at that, just like, oh God, we got these buffoons running the yeah. draft. No, I, I I completely agree. Like I said, friends and family night. Hey, yeah, gather gather around, kids. We're gonna go draft us some some football players. I know. <laughs> and then they had his on Saturday. They had the youngest, one of the youngest grandsons, announced the pick. Like, how is John Stephen? Well, John Stephen Jones. They couldn't helicoptering him from uh Fayetteville to make the pick like come on how does he feel about that it's finals week baby oh if he doesn't care about finals week, he's <laughs> on the football team he's the joneses um he doesn't need he doesn't need finals um uh, but god it's just such a a wheels off a wheels off situation out there yeah um but yeah, the Cowboys look fine. They have not. I will say they have not been getting a lot of high marks on their draft from from the uh, composite rankings. They've been towards the bottom. They've been saying they've been reaching, and then in other rankings I've seen. So take that for your worth. They've been sitting around in the twenties. So this is not. This doesn't. People are a little cool on the totality of the Cowboys draft. Well, you look back to his days at Green Bay, um, you know, they never had a really solid defense. Not saying that Mike McCarthy obviously has final say in any uh, picks one way or the other. Obviously, he's going to have strong input. And then obviously with Dan Quinn coming over, like you said, his fingerprints are definitely all over this draft. And and if you're Mike McCarthy, you probably want to defer to him a little bit more uh, than you than you normally would. But again, uh, you know, there's got to be a little cohesion and everyone on the same page. And if that was the case, then, you know, if they got what they wanted, where they wanted, then good for them. They just, you know, maybe have made poor choices. But, um, you know, like I said, again, time will tell and we'll see this season. I think we'll see pretty quickly uh, how these how these drafts, how these players will will pan out um, and and see if if uh, Diggs can make up some of his mistakes from last year. And uh, you can see what direction this this team is headed. Yeah, and I will say I I people have been critical mainly of the Nishan Wright pick. And if you like him, take him where Absolutely. you feel necessary. Like if you like like we all like to clown the Raiders, but I'll I give Mike Mayer credit. Is he a good drafter? I probably the jury's still out on that, but he's not afraid to take a guy where he wants to take him. Like credit to him for doing that. Like he said we knew the Alex Leatherwood pick was going to be people were going to be surprised by that but you know what we liked them we were going to take him there Cleveland Farrell they liked him they were taking him at number 4 overall is that looking pretty good no he wasn't even the best defensive end they drafted in that class but so if you like a guy take him take him where he's at so i can't fault him if i'm going to say that about the raiders i can't fault the cowboys for that same logic of hey we like this guy we're going to take him there where he is so um yeah that's that's where that's where I stand on that. It's it's uh, no, I agree. Go get your guy. Go get your yes. guy. If that's the guy you want, go get him. Yeah, and also I, I think such- a lot of times people get too hung up on value, uh, what you could get for a guy, where you could get the guy. Why take the risk? If the guy that you want is sitting there, take him. For sure. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Elsewhere for the NFL draft around the league, I uh love that the Bears traded up for Justin Fields. You could probably imagine that I love that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great move. First of all, it buys. I don't. People think that it buys Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace some time. I don't really know if it does, because we've seen rookie QBs come in and then realize like, oh, the coach gets fired, Baker, Sam Darnold, in their first year, we need a new guy in here. I don't think this really buys Nagy and Ryan Pace any time. But I love. Them going up, they got the in my eyes, who was the second best quarterback in the draft, and they got him. Yeah, they had to give up a first round next year, but who cares? You finally can solve the hopefully solve their uh, quarterback position. So I really love that the Bears went up and got uh, uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I figured once uh, 
they had gotten to that giant spot and Devontae Smith was gone, that would have been a spot to for anybody to make a move to go get him. And sure enough, they did. I think it's going to be a good move for them. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how he isn't the starter. I know they already told Andy Dalton he's going to be the starter, but if you really want to buy some time for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, then you start Justin Fields, I think. At least get him on the field. Uh, at least, you know, give him a chance to work. Uh, you know, they have Allen Robinson. I don't know who their wide receivers are outside of that. I think that definitely maybe buys him another year or two of Allen Robinson because he's on the franchise tag this year. Uh, and he seemed real, real uh, reluctant to sign that. Uh, so, you know, if you want to keep some of these guys around on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, that I, I believe Tariq Cohen is, is no longer there. Um, so, you know, if, if you're going to try to start building this offense in a way that you need it to be, to be running, I think he's got to be on the field day one. Yeah, they did draft a, Daz Newsome in the sixth round, who I like. Yeah, um, he's a he's a little slot guy from uh, from uh, North Carolina. Their their wide receivers are they have Marquise Goodwin, they have Darnell speed Mooney. Guy. Yeah, they have from Rockwell. They have Darnell Mooney, Rowlett, uh, Rowlett, uh, Anthony Miller, wide receiver who they've I think they're hoping for more of, but he just the QB situation was so bad, and then they got Javon Wims. He's the guy that dropped the ball before the goal line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Riley Ridley. Isn't that Calvin's brother? It is. Yeah, so they got those guys. So, look, not the best of names, but there's a – I like Anthony Miller. I think he can I think he can still be something, but mm-hmm. that's what the receivers uh, look like there. What uh, what else thought out? How did you think of Washington's draft? Uh, it was, it was, it was good. Again, the Jamin Davis pick I loved, but again, I, I would have, I think they could have probably traded back, but I, you know, I can't, I can't say that. And it, after what I just said, like, if your guys there, go get him. Uh, he's a big cover, uh, linebackers, which is exactly what we need. Six, three around two thirty five two forty, uh, which is, you know, like I said, exactly what we needed. Um, then, uh, a couple of the other picks, you know, there were some head scratchers drafting a long snapper in the in the fifth or sixth round, I believe, uh, when uh, I felt like there were still some other needs that could have been met. Uh, the tight end, we took John Bates in the fourth round out of Boise. Uh, he was projected to be a free agent or seventh round pick guy. So, you know, there were some good picks that I love, some picks that I didn't love as much. Um, I was really, really wanting them to get uh, pick up Dylan Moses. Who uh, who was projected as a as a first round pick, maybe early second round pick, uh, but I guess the injury issues just really scared a lot of teams. And then the uh, the other one was their their second round pick um, when they Samuel Cosme. I like it. He's he's a tackle. He can play both tackles out of Texas. Uh, there was no chance I thought he was going to be there, but uh, the fellow that the Browns ended up getting, uh, you know, Jock Jeremiah Wusu Karamora. I thought they could have grabbed him there, uh, but he's kind of this hybrid linebacker, which I think they might try to play Landon Collins at. So that's why they didn't snatch him up, but I would have liked them to grab him there. But uh, all in all, like I said, not, not heartbroken about it. I think it was good. This regime so far has shown that they do a good job drafting. They've done that uh, thus far. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of trust the process and see how it plays out. Um, uh, you know, once the regular season starts, Dimey Brown wide receiver out of North Carolina, his pro, uh, what do you call it? Comparison to his pro comp is Terry McLaurin. So if we have two Terry McLaurins on the field, pretty good. I'll take that. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll see how this all plays out, but, uh, all in all, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. That's good. The, another story was that the, uh, or one of the trends was that, uh, former college teammates getting paired up together. As we had Tua back with Jalen Waddle. The Bengals taking Jamar Chase to pair him up with Joe Burrow. Uh, Travis Etienne getting paired up with Trevor Lawrence, which that's a head-scratching pick for me for the Jaguars. Yeah, why that did not make that didn't make any sense to me. But and then especially after when Urban Meyer says, "Oh yeah, he's going to be our third down back." So if you're telling me you took the 22nd pick or the 25th pick in the draft and you use it on a third down running back. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like very good strategy there, but whatever. That's him and Trent Balky, whatever they're doing. But that was another theme of college teammates getting uh, reunited on the offensive side of the ball, which you don't really see that often, but it was very prevalent this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One team or a couple teams that I think had fantastic drafts. And I think this is kind of uh, widely agreed upon. The first one is the Panthers. I think the Panthers did a great job uh, with their picks. They pick up Terrace Marshall uh, in the second round wide receiver to help Darnold or whoever's going to be quarterback there, uh, along with DJ Moore and and uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, in the first round, they get um, uh, um J.C. Horn, a corner to kind of help solidify up that that defense. So I think the Panthers did a really good job, and I think the Chargers did a really good job as well. Obviously, getting Rashawn Slater the first round at pick thirteen uh, to help protect um, uh, Justin Herbert and a couple of the other picks they did they had later down the road. Uh, I just thought they both those teams did a, did a really good job. Clearly, left off the Browns on the list. Uh, I mean, Browns. Uh, I, I honestly, I'm not quite sure what they did outside of uh, Greg Newsom, which is a, a very good pick, and uh, Jock. They had a good look. The Browns had a good draft as always under Andrew Barry. They got one of my guys who I mentioned last Monday, Tommy Tong guy from Ohio State. Uh, big, big defense alignment. Uh, one of the strongest guys on the draft. So like that. Look, they just did a, prof- a professional operation. We don't. The thing with the Browns, as I said before, starting roles. Yeah, Greg Newsom could probably play that. Newsom or uh, JOK could potentially be a starter, whatever he'll play a lot. But like, this is a we got to build depth. We got to build depth, and it is worrisome. That's what the Browns did this draft. They built depth, but it is worrisome that all these analysts are now saying it's like the Browns, the Bills, and the Chiefs in the race for the uh, AFC Championship. That that worries me a little bit. This this is going to look. I I always say this, but Baker's got to play really really well this year for it to for it to work in his favor. I think because I think this is probably the best team they've had, you know, on paper in a long time. And I think it's up to him, the quarterback position, to uh, to get the job. But I don't think to, ba- I don't think he has to do a lot as long as as long as that running game's rolling. He just has to. I don't think I think if he can be a game manager and make a couple big plays here and there, I think he can be a perfect in a perfect spot. I, I don't even like that you're calling. He's not a game manager. Do we need to go back and watch the Ravens game again from last year when he just he lost the last? Second I didn't say he is a game manager. I said that's all he would need to be as long as that running game is going and that defense is going to be good. That's all he would need to be. He doesn't like I said. That's not. I'm not saying that's what he is. I'm saying that's all he would need to be at the very minimum. Yeah, but not to make the Super Bowl to be a game manager. They're going to need more from him to make the Super Bowl. Um, but look, I. Baker, the lat, the back half of last year, which I think everybody should focus on more than the beginning, because that's when the system was put in place for Kevin Stefanski. He played phenomenal, and I think that's just going to. Cont- I'm not even really worried about Baker in the next year in the offense. We got Odell back, and we were lacking a downfield threat at wide receiver when Odell was gone. Video is him. He is running fast. It looks like in shorts and a t-shirt right now. So that is a good sign. Did they get him another back. wide receiver? Huh? Didn't they pick up another wide receiver in the, in the draft? draft? Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Schwartz, he runs like a four, two, five, four. Yeah. Um, so he's another speed guy. Look, I think there's just expectations for the team. And now I think, I really do think this team is different than the other ones that they've had expectations. They're not going to fall down. We got a professional young, smart operation in there. So I'm not too worried, but whenever, uh, Whenever expectations are put on the Browns, it's a it's a rough scene. But uh, hopefully that will change. Uh, well, probably just because you're not used to it, right? You're not used to big expectations. I, I mean, uh, as, as of late, aside, you know, it's just the expectations are, hey, let's finish above 500. So it's, for it's, sure, it's for kind sure, of new territory. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Or, hey, maybe we could squeak into the playoffs if things go yeah go well here and there but yeah no expectations are are different but there's one last thing on the draft so thursday not cleveland did a good job hosting obviously i'm not gonna say anything bad but the funniest thing was at the start of the draft on thursday night when goodell walks out with jarvis landry bernie kosar and joe thomas as a security and, huh it was his security yeah, it was a security, but you could hear the fans in the background. They were, they were, when Bernie walked on the stage, they introduced Bernie and they start doing the Bernie, Bernie chant for a couple, for a minute or so. You could hear that in the background. I was laughing so hard at that. And then you get Joe Thomas uh, doing the, here we go, Brownie chant, everyone dog barking in the background. That 
if you needed to bottle up what Cleveland football is, that like it was encapsulated within that two minutes before the draft even started of people loving Bernie Kosar, celebrating Bernie Kosar, doing the Bernie Bernie chants, and then uh, barking like a dog. It was uh, I was I was I was laughing a lot. It was it was a very funny moment for me. Yeah, he like I, I call him his security because that would, they were shielding him from being booed. You know, you're not yeah. going to boo all those guys out on the, on the out on the uh, on the stage. And then obviously, if we're going to talk about talk about Cleveland guys being on stage, I mean, friggin' Miles Garrett showing up in his Superman suit. That was, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that looked. That didn't look like a wetsuit on him. I don't know how he uh, was able to squeeze that thing on. They had they got to cut him out of that, but he was just looking absolutely yoked. I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen a dude's biceps through a suit ever. I mean, and everybody caught on right away. Uh, but so that guy is just absolutely jacked. Uh, you know, he, I don't know what his offseason workout was has been, if he was swinging around two-ton helmets or what to get those pipes going. But uh, whatever he's doing, it's working. Whatever he's – yeah, he, is, he has not skipped an offseason workout this season. That is – this offseason, that, uh, that is for sure uh, on that. But all right, that's the draft. All right. Got to call a spade a spade here in the NBA. LeBron needs to stop crying. Mm-hmm. I called it out when Luca was crying about the uh, playing game of this is so bad, so bad. Let's take a look at the standings. Wouldn't you know it? Other than who is in the seventh spot, the first playing spot, it's the Lakers. Yes, they're in a three-way tie with the Mavs, Portland, and themselves in the playoffs, but the Mavericks would get the tie break because they would win the division. But uh, look, you cannot complain. You just you just cannot complain about the playing game. It's just you cannot do it. You can't. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, uh, like you said, you 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 called it out uh, a couple weeks ago with the Mavs, and I think it would only be fair to do the same thing with the Lakers and LeBron. No matter how much of LeBron stands we are, uh, you know. The, and if you are a, a true LeBron fan, you have to take the good with the bad. You know he's going to do the flopping. You know he's going to do the crying. You know if he gets bumped in the face, he's going to check for blood immediately, no matter how minuscule it was. So you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, but uh, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is. Both him and AD go down at the same time. If that doesn't happen, they're probably not in this spot, you know, even if it's just one or the other. But the fact that both of them go down and missed, you know, quite a few games, you know, upwards of 10 or 15 games combined, uh, you know, where they were both out, uh, it's 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 going to be a tough it's going to be a tough spot. So now that you're working back in to the lineup, you know things are going to get rolling. Like you said, it's uh yeah, it's an extra game for LeBron, but you're not playing as many games in the regular season, so you can still you know kind of turn up the you know hit that second gear that you always do when it comes to playoff time, and you should have enough in the tank now because right right up before this, you were off what two or three weeks. So uh, he does need to stop the bitching, stop the crying, and and just just put his head down and play some basketball. No, I think LeBron's been out like eight weeks. Has it been that long? Has it been that yeah. long? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, he's been out like eight weeks. Um, no, he's been out for a while. And another thing too, like, well, you take a look at their schedule. They got some tough games coming up, though. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. at least the next four, and then five, really. Then Houston, Indiana, New Orleans. They should win those last three. But uh, they got Denver tonight. You'd think they would win that with the injuries, but you never know. Um, they're in the Mavericks. I think the I think the biggest thing for the Mavericks, if they want to avoid the playing game, they should be thankful that the uh, Sacramento Kings are no longer on the schedule. No kidding. I mean, the I mean, Sacramento Kings absolutely own Dallas. Unbelievable, unbelievable. We when we were looking at the schedule at the beginning of April, like oh, they got the Kings three times, they got the Pistons twice. They took care of the Pistons. I mean, they should be happy. They got the Cavs coming up. Uh, twice but my gosh they the fact that they lose the season series they play the kings three times in about a two and a half week stretch and lose all of them just a bad 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 look there by the uh by the mavericks with the kings and i i've seen the i don't have it in front of me but the but the mavs have an under 500 record when they play teams that are under 500 and then with teams over 500 they have an over 500 record like it's it's what you would think would be opposite Right. So they are definitely a, a conundrum. And I mean, I don't. Who knows if they stay out of the playing game? I don't really. I'm not going to really make any predictions on the Mavs. But then Luca now he's one technical away from getting suspended for a game. Just a bad. I think they, I think at least one, if not both of those texts get rescinded. Uh, OK, but 
are we confident that Luke isn't going to get teed up at least once before the playoffs? Like yeah. the rate he's going, he's going to get teed up again before the playoffs. And then he's going to, and then I guarantee you, he's going to get at least one technical in the playoffs where it's going to have him uh, miss the playoff game. Like I, he's going to miss a playoff game. I'm conf, I'm fairly confident in making this prediction that he will miss a playoff game due to technical fouls. Yeah, that's going to be part of one of his games or part of him that he's going to have to realize he's going to have to uh, control because uh, your best ability is going to be availability, especially when you're the best player on the team. You've got to be out there. And if it's a crunch time in the playoffs, you you know, you know can't let a game slip by. So, uh, yeah, he's going to have to get that temper under control a little bit. But like I said, I think I think one, if not two of those will be rescinded. So hopefully he can he can go uh the next couple of weeks without anymore because if if it does come to playoff time and he's missing games it's gonna be tough look for your boy it's gonna be a real real tough look but i think that's something they just have to expect they have to come to expect um that he's gonna miss a game he, before the season's over he will miss a game due to a technical fall now i think it's hard that they're gonna rescind two technicals in a game i think that's a that's almost like the nba is they don't really like to show up the rest that much. Yeah. So I think one will probably get rescinded, but they're not going to, I don't think they're going to do two. Cause then it's, that's just a big time. Well then why was he ejected? If you were sending it after the fact type of deals, you just, I think they'll keep one there. Yeah. But they, they really are. A, they are really a conundrum. Um, they get off to slow starts, except if it's the warriors on Monday night, when they got out to what, like a, they're up by 40, they're up by 20 in the first quarter. Like they just, who knows what there's, who knows what this team, what, what's going on. They just are hard to figure out. One of the uh, funnier memes I saw this weekend was calling the trade that brought over uh, Porzingis, calling it the Tim Hardaway trade now because he's playing the best out of anybody that came over. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny and, you know, maybe kind of true. He's been playing well. He even played well uh, last season. Um, but he's a, he's the type of guy you need just to score yep. uh, out there that comes off the bench and scores. So he's the perfect, uh, perfect role there. All right, Ryan, I got one more thing before we wrap up, unless you have something else, but, uh, uh, do you still think the Yankees should trade Aaron judge? I do. Even after this week. Yeah. Look, he had a great week. He had, a. Uh... Uh, two bombs on Friday night. Uh, Jamie and I and uh, and the boy were out to eat, watching the game a little bit. He had uh, a bomb and a grand slam. But look, if like I said, I I, don't, I can't remember if we said this on the air, or off the air, but it was Aaron, off the air. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, they are who they are. Much like kind of like what I said about uh, about Giannis, they are who they are. They're not going to get any better this part of their career. They're not going to change who they are. You're going to get the big time strikeouts. You're going to get the 250 to 280 batting average. And yeah, you're probably going to get 40 bombs a year. But this offense, the way it's structured right now, not enough guys get on base outside of really LeMahieu. Uh, Higgy, our, our now starting catcher who who uh, jumped uh, uh, Gary Sanchez, he's you know hitting the ball really well. Uh, Urshel is hitting the ball well. But outside of those three guys, you know, we got to get Luke Voigt back. And even even LeMahieu's having a down season by his standards. I think he's, he's still hitting sub 300 unless it came up over the uh, weekend. Um, so, you know, it's just it's you're you're going to not have Judge and Stanton for probably 20 to 30 games a season. You know, maybe that's a little high, but you're there. You're going to go a week or two without them because they're going to go down with injuries. So I think, uh, you know, there's rumors of an Angels trade with Ju- for Judge uh, in the offseason. I, th- I don't think you're going to get – I think his stock has already peaked. It's probably on the downside. But, look, I would not be opposed to it as long as the haul is, uh, you know, is is worth it, obviously. But, look, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to be rooting for it. I'm not going to be pushing for it. But if it does happen, look, I'm not going to be against it. But isn't what you just said of Aaron Judge the player, that is the baseball player in 2021? Yeah, unfortunately it is. Yeah, walk, hit, or strikeout. Yep. So that's and he that's, doesn't have enough. He doesn't have a good enough eye to walk. Like he does not walk. He swings at so many pitches out of the zone. He takes a lot of pitches. And to his credit, a lot of those pitches down around the knees. A lot of times those aren't strikes, and they get called because he's so tall. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? So then he does end up swinging at him. Has zero chance of hitting him. Uh, so look, it, I I get it. I get it in the sense of today's baseball player in 2021. But it's just not a winning formula. And as long as you have uh, Aaron Boone at the helm, you're definitely not going to win anything. Well, here's some numbers in the first uh, first 
month of the baseball season from Jason Stark in his column on The Athletic. Lowest on-base percentage since 1968. That's 309. Slugging percentage is the lowest since 2014, 389. OPS, which is on-base plus slugging, uh, is 698. That is the lowest since 1989. And then hits per game, 7.63, is the lowest ever in the history of baseball. And um, runs per game is at a low. That's 4.25, while home run rate is 1.14, which is pretty high. And in this article, Stark says, so there's rumors that the ball has changed up, this and that. And they asked, he was talking to a bunch of GMs. And they asked, what is the reason for all this change in offense? And he said, one, now all the rules are in the pitcher's favor and that the pitching is just too good. There's everybody's on the pitching now is on spin rate, this and that. And they're just too good. And then they say in the one line in the article, there's all these substances the pitchers slather on their fingers. That's also getting them uh, movement. And it's just, as these, as this one GM says, it's never been harder to hit a Major League Baseball than it is right now. So it's just as hard to hit as ever uh, in baseball. No, it is. I mean, a lot of guys, like, you know, we've mentioned, I think the average fastball now is like around 96 or something like that. Like, everyone throws hard. Everyone throws, a, you know, 95 or harder. Jacob deGrom starts off game a game the other day, first pitch is 101 down the dick. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? You know, and it's just a smooth 101. Guy doesn't look like he's laboring at all to try to make it get up to 101. And now they're starting to elevate pitches a little bit more to take away the launch angle. And so I agree. It is harder than ever because, I mean, like I said, you know, deGrom is, is he's a freak. He's, you know, probably, I think he's probably the best pitcher in baseball. He throws a hundred mile, hundred mile an hour fastball and then will break off a 94 mile an hour slider. A slider is already the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. And now you're going to throw it at 94 where it's coming at you. And then it just breaks away or breaks to your back foot at 94. Like, good luck. Good luck. You, you know, just throw the bat out there and you're probably not even going to hit it. I mean, it's, you could swing three times and you're not going to hit it. Uh, so I agree with that. But again, it's just, it's, uh, as far as the Aaron Judge and, and the Yankees go, I mean, if they could create a Super League where it's the Yankees and then the whole American League Central, probably going to be in good shape. But uh, outside of that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much success they're going to have this season. The Central is just off to a slow start. We'll turn around. They'll turn around. I, that, that, I mean, it's not a shot at the Central. It's just the Yankees have, have played well against the Central thus far. They have, yes, they have. <laughs> but uh, um, another thing too, you'll hate this. Well, it's just. Pretty amazing that this is uh, in the month of April. There were 6,924 strikeouts. Do you have a guess how many hits there were in the month of April in baseball? Um, 2,000. Do you think there was only? No, come on. There were okay. 5,832 yeah. hits. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was going for something just like stupid. stupid. But there were, there were 1,100 more uh, strikeouts than hits, which is the highest differential uh, by month in the history of the game. The, the, the second largest was uh, September of 2019 when it was 705. Then April of 2019 was 529. And then September of 2020 of 496. So there is a trend. It's April or September when, A, the weather is colder, so that also influences on it harder to hit. And then in September, when you get a bunch of September call-ups, it probably shouldn't be there. And players that are just like, all right, let's just play out the string of the season that don't care. So there is a trend. Now, this is takes the trend to a whole different level of how many strikeouts. But if you look, it's April and September in those lists there, which I could those two months I could see. Well, you look at pitchers nowadays, too. You don't have pitchers that pitch to contact. Everyone is a strikeout pitcher, right? And it's mm-hmm. and a lot of guys have taken the kind of the Nolan Ryan approach where, oh, I mean, you're 3-1, 3-0. Oh, all right, well, let me just go ahead and put you on, and I'll strike out the next guy. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's here's 100 miles an hour down the dick. You know, do what you can with it. And if not, I'm going to throw you some of the secondary stuff, but I'm not pitching to contact. I'm, I'm trying to hit my corners. I'm trying to hit my spots. I'm living low. Uh, and then I'm going to elevate that fastball, take away the launch angle. So a lot of guys are just straight up strikeout pitchers now. You know, you will get a lot of fly ball pitchers as well because of that. Uh, and, and players trying to trying to elevate balls and, and get them out. But you don't see a ton of 
oh, this guy's going to come in, get me a ground ball, or this guy's going to come in, pitch the contact, let his defense work. That's just, and which is crazy because of the way the shift is nowadays. You would think some of those guys might be a little bit more, uh, you know, it'd be more advantageous to use those guys like that because of the shift, but uh, it, it's just not the case. It's just, everyone is, is a strikeout pitcher. That is true. That is true. All right. One, do you have anything else? I do. I have a couple other things. I have All two right. other things. Uh, I don't know. Were you going to talk F1? Uh, I wasn't planning on it, but. Well, I mean, I picked Louis Hamilton, Max Verstappen. They go, they go one, two again. I mean, I think I'm just, I might be the hottest F1 better in the world right now. I don't think I've lost the race yet. It's not really going on on a limb. Right. It is. It is what it is. But this might also be true. I might be the hottest FCS handicapper in the nation as well. Yeah. Did you watch any of the games yesterday or not? Yeah. Well, I watched, I watched Sam Houston state obviously. Cause I had them plus three. Uh, and I told you, keep an eye on it. They might be the outright winner. They we sure enough, they were on that one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, unfortunately Jacksonville state could not get the job done against Delaware. They lose outright, even though they were the favorites. Uh, but, uh, James Madison gets the job done as well. They cover and they're moving on. So, uh, you know, like I said, I might be the hottest FCS handicapper in the nation right now. And then Southern Illinois got kind of, I think they got kind of hosed against South Dakota state. I don't know. They Um, did. Yeah, no, they did. They did. I agree with you. Uh, You know, that's one of those plays or one of those situations, excuse me, that's you can kind of see both sides, but you know, it's more often than not, it's not going to go to the, the underdogs way. Uh, And that's, that was the case with Southern Illinois. Yeah. I watched the, I saw the last couple of minutes of North Dakota state game. They bad, bad read option on third and two that pretty much killed their chances on fourth down. Um, and then had the James Madison game on in the background and then saw the first half of the uh, Jackrabbits. Uh, I, did you not think when they put, put up the South Dakota State quarterback name that it was Gronkowski? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was like, there's another Gronkowski. And I, was I, like, and I was like, oh, it's Gronowowski or something like that. Gronowski. Gronowski, yeah. Yes. I was totally, <laughs> I was like, cause I was playing the show or whatever, had it on his background noise and they just flashed up and you just see G O G R O N. And then the, the Kowski this, or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's a Gronk. How yeah. do we not know about this? And then there's a Gronowski. I was like, ah, all right. Well, that's why we did not know about this. No, the one other thing I was going to talk about was how about a pitch invasion by fans, not even allowed in the stadium. Oh yeah. They had the man you. Over in Manchester United, they're protesting the Glazers. Very funny that Jay Glazer is getting <laughs> That was <out>. hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's just laziness on people tweeting at him. Um, yeah, but that's the, a perfect oh, microcosm of what the internet is nowadays. That, yeah, because also, I think I've talked about this before, is that the Baltimore Ravens radio play-by-play guy, his name is Jerry Sandusky. Yeah. With a G. Uh-huh. So his mentions are... Go take a look at his mentions sometimes. There, it's it's a it's a minefield. Um, but Jay Glazer's getting uh, ricochet shots over, and the owner's name's Joe Glazer. It's not even Jay Glazer, but they just literally they were they were planning a protest outside. What is the biggest game in English soccer uh, each year when they play it both times? It's Liverpool versus Man United. They were like, all right, we're going to protest the Glazers outside. Well, somehow these fans got in the stadium a couple hours before the game, just were running onto the field and the pitch and lighting flares up and and everything. Guy fell off the goal, climbed the goal, and then fell off. Did you see that video? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I saw that, and I saw there was a kid that was just, like, climbing up on the goal post and just posting into his TikTok or his Instagram or something, just taking videos left and right. He was having the time of his life. It was hilarious. He ran up and met up with his boys and they were like high fiving and stuff. I thought that was great. <laughs> then there was a guy, there was also a guy, one of the, one of the guys, his thank God for his uh, boxers holding up. Cause his jeans were down about halfway <laughs> around his ass. And, and a full moon was in, was a borderline effect. Uh, if they were not there, but that, this guy lost his shoe. But then the stewards, which is what they call the police or whatever, the ushers, just gladly gave him his uh, shoe back because he was without a shoe. Uh, quite the scene. The game got postponed, obviously. No word when that's going to be made up. But but what a scene over there in uh, England. Still mad about the uh, Super League. Yeah, they, I thought that was that was quite the, uh, quite the scene. And it was funny, uh, you know, you mentioned Jay Glazer. He gets on Twitter and is like, look, I have nothing to do with this. We're like, we don't even have a steak to sell. This isn't my family, yada, yada, yada. And then like an hour or so later, he's like, you know what? 
fine. We're selling our stake in the team. You guys, <laughs> you guys win. You won. You got. The, you, we're selling. We'll no longer be associated with Man U. Have a great day. I'm gonna go enjoy my day, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, no, I thought that was very funny when he said he was gonna sell uh, as well. That got a good laugh about that. But uh, all right, I think that's a good place to end. We'll be back on Thursday. Thanks everybody for listening.